Hello, and welcome to Star Trek Reliant, the podcast dedicated to playing with Star Trek adventures in the Star Trek Online and Star Trek Foundry universe. Tonight, we've got a full house and a continuation of our Trident series, so this is part two. If you haven't listened to part one yet, probably a good time to pause the episode, go back and do that. That was a good episode. Now, once you're back, let's have some fun here. All right, so let's start off with our security officer, Chorog. I am here to drink Warnog and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. We've got our science officer, D.B. Wells. Help, I'm stuck in a dimension where my microphone is slightly worse than not the other one. We've got our But everything else science. is pretty much the same. We've got our other science officer, Grawl. Sir, I think that rock is hanging to us very, very fast. We've got Kara, uh, con officer Karajun running. Greetings, everyone. And don't worry, the rock just wants to hug the spaceship. Oh, by the way, Chorog, we're out of Warnog. We've got our XO and CMO, Eli O'Connor. Can you smell what that space rock is cooking? It, it smells really bad. I don't like it. We've got, we've got our rhyming chief engineer, Rick Deer. Um, I may have to check the oven on that one because... Uh, Generally, sometimes the uh, heating elements may just flare up and burn things. And we've got our chaplain slash counselor slash totally normal humanoid, uh, Waitley. Hello. How is everyone doing today? I hope the evening finds you well. Alrighty, so, as a recap from last time, for the people who insisted on either not reviewing the entire last episode in the span of this week. And we uh, know you, and we'll find you. So, for the recap, uh, last episode, um, a mysterious spatial anomaly has abducted Karo Junrani and Captain Marcus Graves. Um... The crew was attempting to locate them and find them through a residual spatial portal, but the Reliant was pulled through with some consternation slash um, hurting of Lieutenant Moon, but will recover. Um, and the shift finds itself uh, deep within a pocket subspace domain containing three artificial planetoids and a lot of space junk with... Anomalous signatures all around, and some other mysterious consequences as well. Let's go ahead and open up with one of those consequences with um, uh, Chaplain Waitley, who finds himself where he's been in this escapade of Captain er, Eli being on the bridge and taking care of the things up there. But Waitley, as soon as they find, as they um, cross into this uh, subspace domain, finds that everything feels blank empty like his he head cannot, is quiet his head is completely quiet and he cannot hear anyone's thoughts on the ship okay so waitley's probably down in his quarters slash office and uh he's probably reading up on uh you know one of the uh 
one of the crew's uh, files because they've got a, 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 a session coming up soon and he's just preparing himself and then he stops, he looks up, looks out uh, porthole out into uh, out into the star field outside. Well, let me uh, grab a going. I'll just grab a picture for visual for you. Well, outside the window, you basically see sort of a yellowish kind of nebula and three massive planets in sort of a triangle formation. There's also a lot of space junk, a whole lot. Most of it rings the first planet, but frankly, it goes throughout the small entirety of this system. Ooh, Rick asked a, a, a good question. Uh, is is uh, his uh, guest still in his head? Ah, we good point. He still would be. Yeah, because he's literally in your head. Yeah, okay. Your telepathic range is zero. All right. Waitley, uh, Waitley taps his comm badge. This is Chaplain Waitley to the bridge. Has something happened that I should be aware of? Larissa's voice comes back immediately. Okay, so the shaking of the ship and everything didn't clue you in? I'm sorry, I was reading. Wish I could read through something like that. Yeah, after the uh, captain and uh, Kara got kidnapped by some sort of weird gravitational anomaly, we, uh, well, we're in some weird little subspace pocket universe. You, you probably want to talk to Captain O'Connor. He can, he can fill you in. So as soon as uh, Kara says, uh, sub, uh, went through to some subspace pocket, as soon as he hears those words, he immediately like jumps out of his chair and books it to the turbo lift to go to the bridge. <laughs> and he says, on my way, waitly out. The, um, the crewmen in the hallway are um, very surprised to see the visage of a running Victor Waitley. <laughs> Guy who's like, Pretty much 99% of the time, calm, cool, collected, no matter what's going on, just suddenly bursts out of his quarters and he's just... <laughs> one of the guys one of the guys that Waitley runs past suddenly just crosses himself and says, Vaya con Dios. <laughs> so he gets to the turbo lift. He's like, bridge, yesterday. There's about the three Gs not- of acceleration as the turbo lift shoots up to the bridge. <laughs> so Waitley and- steps up the turbo lift onto the bridge and assays the situation. So, uh, Lieutenant Moon has been transported to um, transported to sickbay, and um, D.B. Wells has one of the con (laughs) terminals. Specifically, D.B. Wells has the con terminal, based on what happened to the other one. Wait, didn't, uh, didn't, didn't, uh... switched, I thought. Yeah, I, well, I thought one of the oh, yeah. I thought one of the the I thought one of the Riothaeans like took over or something. No, the Riothaeans are off in sick bay because they're dealing oh, oh, with the same stuff that Waitley is. I thought Chorog the con and Daniel I, went off to use the science console. Yeah, okay, so it's yeah. probably Chorog piloting then. So Chorog is at the con, and then BB's back at the science. All right. Larissa just looks over from tactical. Why'd it get quiet all of a sudden? We're assessing the situation. Assessing the situation. Charles is busy trying to stabilize their flight situation. Waitley uh, moves over and takes his seat to the left of the center chair, looks at O'Connor and says, It would seem I missed some interesting events. And it would seem you're in the wrong chair. Right now you're my first officer. Get over to it. it, it Waitley blinks and he's like, does, does command privilege automatically assign by one seat? It, it, it helps, okay? It helps me think. 
duly noted. And he switches switches seats. As he does so, he's going to as he sits down in the in the other chair, he he uh, kind of rests his hand on uh, O'Connor's uh, shoulder, and he thinks at him. He's going to test the uh, the sudden inhibition of his uh, telepathy. Can you hear me? With physical contact, the answer is yes. What the hell did you... What the... How are you... How are you doing that? So, uh, Waitley explains that the reason he knew something was wrong was that his head was suddenly quiet for the first time since the last time they were at Risa. And, you know, the only time Waitley's ever not really complaining internally about what he's hearing internally is when they're at Risa. That's why he loves Risa, is everybody's happy, so he's not bombarded by, you know, ow, I stubbed my toe, and oh, I hate my depression, you know, all the stuff that's constantly going on in people's heads that Waitley constantly hears. So he was like, okay, yeah, something's wrong, and he's just checking to see if it's proximity, and apparently physical contact reestablishes connection. All right, that's, that's good. I was worried when I stopped feeling people, so, but, you know, uh, <laughs> Three of the Edens were also feeling it. I just told them to hit a sick bay. So, from the science station, Grawl, can I get a, uh, can I get a, uh, let's see, control science for sensor sweep? Well, while, while the other science person is scanning, uh, Daniel gets up and uh, goes over to uh, Watley. It, it, it is pronounced Watley, right? Wait, Waitley. Waitley? Waitley? Wait, yeah, it, long, eh? I, okay, sorry. I'm uh, I'm not sure if I've ever said that out loud. Uh, Danley goes over to to Waitley and uh, holds out a hand, saying, "I'm sorry. I'm not sure if we've ever been like properly introduced." Hi, my name's Daniel. Waitley turns his attention from O'Connor to Daniel. He looks at his hand. There's just a slight little flicker of like a smirk on his lips for like just the briefest of a nanosecond. And then he takes Daniel's hand and shakes it. And uh, just for a brief flash, Daniel's mind is filled with images of, like, intense, incomprehensible darkness and terror. And Waitley says, Charmed, a pleasure to meet you. Daniel's just kind of stood there for a moment. His, his, his brain's been through a lot the past 24 hours. Uh, and just kind of... Gives him a look and kind of backs away back towards his console. Waitley nods and turns his attention back to uh, O'Connor. <laughs> so, Chorog, uh, go ahead and give me uh, a control con for an evade roll. Thanks. Okay, so several things happen on the ship all at once. First off, the inertial dampeners struggle to keep up as Chorog suddenly, you know, turns the ship and flies in an intricate maneuver to avoid a chunk of ship hull. Chorog, do you want to describe how that works? Chorog is monitoring the helm and notices, notices, notices on the forward scanner a rather large chunk of ship heading towards them. Not having time to ask permission to evade, he just evades in a very complicated roll to the left. At about the same time all that's happening... Grawl, you finally managed to get some sensor readings through the interference cloud. In addition to all the space junk around, you pick up various small shuttles going to and from the planet and some small orbital stations, and nearby there are two things which look to be ships. 
one of them actually has two life signs aboard. Well, uh, shakes uh, the debris and dust out of his uh, feathers and uh, turns uh, to uh, <coughs> and turns to uh, O'Connor, uh, sir. We're picking up some traffic uh, nearby. There seems to be a vessel with at least two life forms on board nearby. Are they aware of us? And can you tell what species they are? Well, you don't know if they're aware of you or not, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of power signs from that vessel. As for the species, you can tell that it's two different species, one for each of the people aboard, but the computer does not identify either of them. Two of them unidentified, and the power is fading on the vessel. We might want to see if we should assist them. Get a security team to the transporter room. Um, Chora, actually, no, not Chora. You're piloting. We need you. Waitley, could you oversee them down there in the transporter room? Report to me. Waitley nods and gets up and says, aye, aye. And he heads to the turbo lift and makes his way to the transporter room. In the meantime, Grawl can bring up on the main... Uh, scanner, the ship that has the two life signs in it. It's a massive rectangular behemoth that dwarfs the Reliant in size. It seems to be orbiting the planet, but it's also rotating slightly along one axis and another, spinning just slightly out of control in space. It's pockmarked with various craters that have smashed into the heavy armor over the years. Whatever this ship was, it must have been quite a sight back when it was operational. Charles having to look up and see this vessel. I don't think our tractor beam has enough power to stabilize that. That ship Nor looks ancient. We... Sorry. That ship looks ancient. It's incredibly potmarked. The people on board may be in stasis. Or they could just be out of stasis if power's running low. Well, according to what you can tell, the life forms are moving around, but slowly. They seem to be limited to one small section of the ship where there appears to be atmosphere. Sir, they seem to be in a small area of the ship where there's all kinds of atmosphere. They seem to be all alone, more or less. And I can't tell much more than that. Just try... We'll have the transporter try to get a lock on them without uh, also exposing us because... I remember that, okay, I remember last time that we were, like, under the low-power, like, hiding thing. So what's the next step for Captain O'Connor, then, to deal with our mystery? I've already, I already given the order to get down there and <laughs> transport him. Uh, All right, transport, transport him up. You got it. Security team down there first, but yeah. Uh, let's, uh, who, who wants to run the transporter to beam them up? I think that'll be On. me. All right, Rick. <laughs> You are called to the uh, transporter room. Uh, Waitley is already there. Your orders are to sneakily beam up two people who probably aren't expecting to be beamed up. Thanks to the fact that nobody is likely expecting this, Waitley has also brought with him Bryce and another couple security people, just in case it devolves into shooting. Uh, one of those security people is just going to be Lieutenant Tardigrade wearing like the classic like motion picture, like, uh, security armor, like the helmet and, like, the shoulder pads. Uh, do we have any momentum? No, well, actually... Nope. Nope, no. Okay, GM has ruled no. <laughs> no. We start fresh. Okay. Well, we did do some rolls already, but I think based on the rolls, Grawl just got extra information on his, and I don't know about Chorog, so those are the only two rolls so far. Um, I would have counted as 
like getting the two successes means that we didn't scrape the ship. Gotcha. So you guys have actually aced some very difficult rolls so far. All right, uh, Rick, can I get a control engineering from you? Okay, or... there we go. I've got a fo- uh, focusing transporters, so uh, that applies. You managed to reach out and lock on with no problem. Two people are beamed aboard. Uh, the first one appears to be around about five foot six feet tall, very thick, and wearing some sort of heavily patched and scuffed environment suit. He looks like he was halfway in the, you know, process of lifting or cutting something. He has a torch in his hands, and he looks around incredibly surprised. While the person with him... Oh, the person with him is also a rather short... Because I wasn't quite sure if you're describing this one. Um, oh, sorry, no, is, I was describing someone else. Yes, yes. Uh, the person with him is uh, basically standing with a large bag... Uh, hurled across his shoulder and is wearing a again rather ragged and scuffed um well part of an environmental suit but it doesn't have the helmet is currently flipped uh backwards and he notably has green skin uh and a rather uh lumpy disposition and the best eyebrows in the business yes very extended uh some extended eyebrows but you know neatly combed uh green hair and a little bit of a green goatee the first figure, the one still in the complete environment suit, seems to react in surprise, and a variety of sort of growls, barks, and other strange noises seems to flow out of the environment suit. Seems like your universal translator is not currently active on that one. The other uh, individual just says, No? No? Um? Um? And he just holds his hands up. <laughs> And the bag just clatters to the floor, spilling out all sorts of miscellaneous uh, circuitry panels, gear, some small devices. Noting what his companion does, the other one also raises his arms, but continues making various strange noises. Welcome aboard the USS Reliant. Um, I, ge- I guess we should find some quarters for our guests. Ah, crap, my mic was muted. I was like, why is nobody responding to what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> so Waitley uh, kind of takes in the sight of these two people and he steps forward and uh, yeah, welcome aboard the USS Reliant. My name is Chaplain Waitley. Uh, I have been sent to escort you to somewhere. He stops. He says, can you understand what I'm saying? There's a long pregnant pause, whereas one of the figures continues to seemingly babble on and on. And then after a couple seconds, almost like a switch is flipped, says, And then my time, that time mom made yarrow pie. Man, that was a good night. Let me tell you, that was really great. Uh, so the next day, I got up in the morning and I went over to the cave and I'm going to assume at some point someone interrupts him. He uh, Waitley raises his hand, looks at Rick and says, Is the Universal Translator picking this up? Uh, well... Oh. Now it is. Hey, you can understand me. I can, okay, I can stop talking now. I was just... I figure, you know, if I kept talking, maybe it would work. Waitley gives a small, curt smile, and he says, Excellent. I, I assume, then, that you're familiar with translator technology. Oh, yeah, you guys must uh, must be newcomers, right? Never... Yes. I suppose you could say that. So, uh, you're not going to shoot us, huh? Not unless you give us a reason to, no. 
hey, you never know. He puts so, his hands down. As I was saying earlier, uh, my name is Chaplain Victor Waitley, and we I am here to escort you to somewhere a little more comfortable so that we can figure out where we are. Oh, that's easy. You're in the Trident system. Waitley arches an eyebrow. Is that supposed to mean something to us? Uh, I guess not yet. It will, though. He nods and he says, uh, please follow me. And, uh, what were your names? Oh, uh, I'm Erton. He kind of jabs a thumb at his sort of pudgy barrel-like chest. And then he gestures over. And, uh, the the guy with the eyebrows there, that's Pim. I... And Pim. Whoop. I, I... I greet you in the spirit of a caretaker, and I promise that I will not try to steal your stuff, so long as you do not put anything into me. Why'd you have to put that image in my head, Pim? I thought shooting was the worst they could do. Um, well, mm, it wouldn't good to tell you about the drawer fun. Oh, gods. Uh, I am um, oh. Chief uh, Engineer Rick here. Welcome to the Reliant. Uh, did you just say thief engineer? Chief. As Ed. Uh, in charge of. Yeah. Oh. Okay, okay. So this is good. Um. Yeah, you're more of the question. thief engineer. Yes, yes. So, I thinking. Um, I want us to stay, right? As they're walking along and, and, and Waitley's leading them to, uh, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to guess like, uh, like one of those ancillary conference rooms. You know, not not the one up by the bridge, but one that's on, like, deck two or three, something like that. He's going to kind of casually put his hand on uh, Pim's back and just see if he can get uh, an idea of what's going through the guy's head. Static. Okay. So, uh, just static from this one. He could try the other one, though. Erton. Hmm. Nah, I guess he might as well. The The reason I focused on Pim was because he's he's saying some things that are kind of raising some suspicions with Waitley. But yeah, since he's getting nothing from him, he'll, he'll mean, do the same to Erton. Out of character, all I can say is welcome to Pim. <laughs> okay. uh, when you do that on Erton, you can tell that he's trying to be exceptionally polite. He doesn't want anyone to hurt him. But he'd really like to get back to work. Okay. So the group just heads inside, and Erton kind of waddles over to the table and looks at the chair for a minute and just kind of sits on it sideways so the long, thick tail, you know, dragging out the back of his environment suit can just kind of sit across it that way. He reaches up and just kind of twists and pulls and tugs and... Growls and twists and pulls and tugs and presses buttons and pulls and tugs and finally manages to get his helmet off. When he actually takes his helmet off, what greets you is a sort of canine-like head with a, you know, short, stout muzzle. What's especially odd, though, is that despite the creature being vaguely dog-like and having white fur, it has four eyes as well as four ears, and its, nos and its nose has four nostrils. Four seems to be a strangely useful color for this species. All of his eyes are red, and they just kind of track, you know, uh, Waitley and the security team. So they're sitting down? Yeah, Waitley leads them into this little conference room, and he gestures okay. for them to take a seat. So Pim, at his seat, will lean over. He pushes, he just pokes his chair, and gives it a thud, and he licks it. Nodding to himself, he just then sits down, 
leans back and kicks his feet up on the uh, conference table. Waitley takes a seat as well, and he just kind of watches everything. He's trying to keep his face neutral, not have any kind of reaction to anything. He uh, says, so... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Rick Tier also takes a seat. And so based on the... On what you said in the transporter room, you were, what, salvaging? Yeah. Takes a lot to be able to come out and uh, come up here in uh, in space. But, uh, yeah, we were trying to pick apart some, uh, yeah... Um, stuff. It's such a hassle to get up here that a lot of ships haven't been all that well salvaged. Like that one. That's yeah. actually an old Yizzle ship. Used to belong to my people. Probably how we first got here. Uh, Pim just takes a look around at the room and says, Hmm, don't think it'd be much of interest to you, you know, with a oh, fancy ship with fresh paint and carpets. Yeah. Ouch, my pride. Not, not useful at all. He kind of, like, Pim tries to wink at, um, his friend and uh it says yep so i can answer a few questions but then yeah might be mows along wheatley takes in a breath and he looks at uh rick tier i imagine we'll have quite a few questions for you if you're willing to uh indulge us uh the first question that i am curious to to know the answer to is what exactly is the Trident system? Where are we exactly? Him just points out the window. Ah. Erton doesn't look actually much more helpful. He just says, well, you're in, you're in Trident. Uh, you come here and then that's it. You're here. Pim mimes with one hand. See, a Trident has you know, three, three pokey bits. And this has three planets. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's a common name. There's, there's others. The, Cluster of worlds, the place that is here. But Trident, Trident usually goes for other peoples. Waitley's going to start tapping on a, a, a panel, and he's going to bring up a display of their last location before they went through the, the vortex or portal or whatever it was. Uh, and he says, does this uh, chart look familiar at all to you? Nope. It, it looks like what you know newcomers bring along with them. You know, pictures of the outside. Under multiverse, stuff like that. You know, clerics, scientists, they get all in, you know, and it's easy about it, but, you know, a couple of salvagers, we're, we're, we're not really, you know, the people to ask about that. So you're originally from this area. You're not from outside then. Oh, yeah. Born Gosh, how many generations have my family been here? I think it was my great, 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 great. This continues for a while. Yeah, I ah. think I understand. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, my people, yeah, for all I know, my people have always been here. So, um, yeah, I can't help much there. So, maybe I should just kind of explain, you know, some, some of the lingo. So, you've got the worlds. You know, you got the first world, second world, third world. First world is where everyone is. That's, that's a nice one. Um, and you got newcomers. Newcomers, that's you. You, from the outside, come here. You know, have a little bit of a settling in period, but, you know, things generally work out pretty well. I so, guess we should hopefully. probably go ahead and drop the bad news on you immediately. Uh, you're not leaving. Waitley nods, yeah, probably. seemingly not surprised. He says, that was one of the questions I was intending to ask. Thank you. Yeah, I, mean, I think the only way you could get out is if Speaker Arun let you out. I don't tell, think me, tell me more about the Speaker. Oh, uh, the Speaker, she's the caretaker of Trident. She's... Uh, 
She's in charge of all the world tech and stuff. Granted, I've never actually seen her. See, I and I have seen her once, but it may have been a shrub coming out of some world tech. But uh, yeah, um, basically that. You know, wise old figure, center of the histories, and uh, yeah, occasionally makes some appearances up in Central. But yeah, it's you know, just a shall we say management figure, someone who doesn't really you know get on a lot with people. Yeah, if you want to talk to somebody who knows stuff about that, it's probably best to grab one of the witnesses. They keep track of everything for the speaker. Yep, yep, pest near them, and speaker rune will hear about it. It's like an information pinata. You hit them until answers come out. Or just, you know, hit them. They, don't, it, it, they often don't really like that. Waitley is doing everything he can to keep a straight face during this, and he's... He's taking notations, and obviously it's be, everything's being recorded, and he sends a quick little message to uh, O'Connor uh, with a text. Is there anything you need me to ask them? Uh, by the way, you guys do have jokes, right? You realize that was a joke? Waitley nods. Okay, Waitley so nods and says, yes, I'm just notorious among the crew for having no sense of humor. That's fine. I just wanted to make sure you aren't actually going to go down and start beating on the witnesses. Oh, wait, like, kind of tilts his head to the side. He says, I do know a few on the ship who would be eager for such an opportunity, though. Yeah, that's, gen that's generally classed as, you know, being a feral, and that kind of gets you kicked out of civilization, living with meat eaters, so not good. Hey, Pim, since these guys are new here and have all kinds of tech, maybe we should ask them to help us with the thing. Yeah, I don't know. You might want the thing. Yeah, but look at it this way. There's lots of stuff there, and we can pay these guys in information. If we get their ship, we could bring back a lot more than we could in just your shuttle. Yeah, I guess. Easier to get past the Laurafon, too. As, as Waitley's waiting for a response back from O'Connor, he looks over at Rick, kind of raises an eyebrow. I'm trying to speak to tell you if you get a message back. Okay. <laughs> um... Eli's asking if he could find out where the capital city is. Which one is it? Oh, uh, well, I guess there's a lot of regional hubs. Those are like a capital. Yeah, like, if you're looking to, like, find, like, a governing place, I mean, that might be on the second or third worlds, but, um, yeah, let's just say things don't come back from those planets. Down on Alpha, power tends to extend only so far as you can enforce it. So, there's sort of a lot of what you might call nation-states. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. Well, the big one's Lorafon, then you've got the Jarfon. You know, they're kind of these two little subsects that kind of, you know, occasionally have wars with each other. They're still into that. Most people, though, are pretty much, much more sensible. There's also the Techno-City of Shamsun. Boy, those guys are assholes. Whitley yeah, but... raises an eyebrow. You have warp travel, and yet have not conquered such things as war? Mm, not, for, like, I've conquered war. I don't start wars. But, you know, independent states, you know, people still with a beer in their butt about imperialism? That hell still happened. So, uh, don't Murafon, take this though. the wrong way. And he looks up, and then he looks over at John, and then back up at the others. Most of you look pretty much like the same sort of species to me. Yeah, Trident's not like that. There's people on Trident from all kinds of civilizations. And while we usually try to get along, uh, 
The definition of what getting along is can vary a bit. I'm I'm just laughing because you have Waitley, who's uh, half human, half trill, or uh, not trill, betazoid. You have uh, uh, Rick Tear, who's a lizard person. Oh, I forgot Rick was along. I was thinking of Bryce and the security guys. <laughs> you have Bryce, who's an android, and then you have John Tardigrade. Okay, well, well he, mentions, he mentioned John. Yeah, but... Yeah, so actually... Uh, they haven't seen John yet. I'm going to put it that way. Haven't oh, seen okay. John yet. They, but yeah, he 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 singles out Rick, but this says the rest of you okay. look like about the same species. Waitley kind of shrugs. He says, "I suppose you haven't seen the rest of the ship yet." Why are you going to make us do a full tour? Please don't. I really want to get back to work. Bills don't pay themselves. Of course, if you guys were going to help us. Then we'd have lots of extra time for you. So Waitley uh, shoots off a message to uh, O'Connor, and he looks at Rick, basically wondering what they think uh, should be done in this situation. The uh, the helping is probably the acting captain's decision, but uh, I am curious. We were hit by something, not debris, but some kind of energy. After we had ended, uh, rely, uh, uh, tried it. Well, it's not like we really have a habit of coming and going from here. Nobody really leaves Trident, and most of the time everybody is just kind of pulled in, so that doesn't sound like anything I know about. You said earlier that your caretaker is in charge of letting people leave. Could Theoretically. He looks at Rick, he says, I'm wondering if it isn't some sort of system that they have set up to prevent people from leaving. Well, let me put it this way. I don't know of anybody who's ever left Trident. Ever. It's not listed in the histories at all. But I would suppose that if someone could do it, it would probably be the caretaker. I mean, something has to maintain this pocket of subspace. Oh, that's the world tech. The world tech provides everything. And mimes. It's it's tech in the world. It does everything. Burton holds up a hand and kind of counts off some fingers on his paws. It controls the climate systems, the gates for travel, there's the guardians that keep the ferals under control. Although when there's a new life form needed, usually the caretaker just has something in the galaxy show up. And then boom, Dryden has a new thing. Waitley checks the 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 little console pad for uh, a response from O'Connor. Eli, did you not hear that? No. no. Okay, nope. that was weird. Uh, just a couple words are uh, received by Waitley on my way down. <laughs> Understood. Un <laughs> meanwhile comes between uh, uh, Irden and Pim with a tray of cookies and says. Looks down and says, not one of these running around. There's a slow sequential blink across all four of Erton's eyes and says, Hey, I've seen one of those before. Waitley yeah. does not seem surprised at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, little guy, like to dig? Oh, you guys like to dig. John Burton, beams. meanwhile, takes a cookie and just kind of chomps it. I'm a very good digger. Oh, wait, oh, wait, no, no, I can't dig here. I mean, it, I could, I could, but it would hurt the chest. Pim just chuckles a little bit. 
Yeah, point of advice. Don't do anything to hurt your ship. It's probably the best asset you're going to have for, like, years. Hmm. <laughs> Everybody could see a light bulb just went off in Waitley's head, but he doesn't say anything. All right. Uh -oh. Have you arrived? Did I give the evil guy ideas? <laughs> Eli has arrived. Well, Captain? I, I've already posted a picture, so now you see Erton sitting at the table, sideways on a chair to accommodate his tail, and him is there too. Leaning back. So, Captain O'Connor, as I have uh, apprised you, this is the uh, situation we are faced with. So they say there's no way to get out. I yeah, mean, we know of. I would guess the caretaker might be able to do it, but nobody's ever left, so I don't know. Oh, no one we've heard about. True, but I suppose if they left, would it actually make it into the histories? Who would record it? Well, Arun, and if Arun's keen on, you know, keeping the peace here and not causing a lot of disorder, I mean, at least with people trying to go out and, you know, broaden out the resource collection, um, he might keep it on the hush-hush. Gee, Pim, you know a lot more about what's going on than I do. Well, I'm many, 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 many years old, so it comes with the territory. So I have a question for you. Wait, you don't have any recorded history about anyone making their way out, but do you have anything about people forcing their way in? Uh, hard to say. I mean... I mean, there's a lot of stories about people arriving at Trident. I don't remember any stories about people trying to come to Trident. We kicked yeah. down the door to get here, so I'm imagining we can kick it down the same way. There's a door? It's a metaphor. Oh. Like, we made know, a just, door. Just think of, you know, you've got this, you know, the space we're in, which is, you know, this four-dimensional volume. You keep going, you'll just kind of keep coming back around the other side eventually. And imagine that space as a whole, but it's four-dimensional. I mean, it, it might be hard to picture, but it's... Kind of like you're giving it a four-dimensional butthole. As Pem goes on about this, Erton's eyes just kind of cross. So, Our, I'm going to say the most cliche thing you probably ever hear from an alien. Take me to your leader. Yeah, yeah we couldn't really do that if we wanted to. <laughs> What's it going to mean? Take? No, I mean, uh, literally, we couldn't do that. It's not a question of wanting, it's a question of being able to go to wherever Speaker Rarun is. I mean, on the first thing, we don't know where that is. Yeah, she makes appearances, though. Um, maybe we can incise it. I have a suggestion, Captain. Let's hear Perhaps it. we should uh, ask for access to their, uh, their database on their ship so that we can peruse their historical records. Which ship are you talking about? Pim's shuttle or the YCV Kinsey? Either. Both. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get a lot of use out of the Kinsey, but for what it's worth, speaking as a representative of my people, go for it. Just, you know, maybe tell me what's in there, too. We just want your history, so yeah, we'll give you a copy. Cool. Yeah, I also know a pretty cozy place that has a good, you know, good library, you could say. Let's hear it. Actually, and Erton looks over at Pim for a second. We'd really, really like to get back to work. So how about if we operate on a bit of an exchange here? What are you trying to get from that ship? 
Uh, whatever we can, really. What things are valuable here? Let's put it that way. Literally yeah. anything. Yeah, like, uh, any complex alloys, trace metals, power units. Wires, circuits, weapons, food, information. How about we just send you back with barrels full of food? Eh, that doesn't trade so well. Food, mm-hmm. alcohol, yeah. is gold valuable here? We have plenty of gold. Yeah, not particularly. A lot of that uh, stuff you can kind of get from the world, you know, the, the world substrates. Um, Look, let me put it the, this way. On the YCV, right where we were, there's a door we can't open. If you help us open that door and see what's inside that room, I personally will come with you and answer your questions and do whatever to the best of my ability. Okay? All right. Rick Tier, get a get some cutting beams and you know what? How much of this do you want to salvage? We can just get the entire ship. Waitley holds up his hand and says, Captain, if I may make a suggestion. Let's hear it. He looks over at John. John, do you, uh... He can't teleport. This place is interfering with it. Oh, okay, I missed that, too. Okay, never mind, then, never mind. Waitley wouldn't wouldn't know that, Oh, oh, that's true, okay, so yeah, 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 okay. So so I was answering in character. Oh, okay, okay, since... Oh... Oh, the first time that the, the, these two have, have seen Waitley is like the first time he's had any kind of like emotion or reaction on his face. He's just like, oh, and he's very much got that look of, oh, we're really fucked. He, he says, never mind, I withdraw my suggestion. How much of the ship do you want? We can have that whole thing stripped down to the bones and brought to where you want it. Yeah. Huh. You can strip it down and, you know, get past the Lorfon War Barge, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's Lorfon quite a War bit. Barge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Lorfon, one of the major powers. They they do have some patrol vessels in the area, but if you can get past them, which they're they're slow, let's just put it that way, because all fast. they do is they Okay. You should be good. So, Lorfon War Barge. Past that, get down to Sariot Run, and Oh boy, yeah, you've bought a lot of service from us. Yeah, I agree. You help us get into that room, and I'll go with you to Sariat Run or wherever, and I'll help you as best I can, but it's not like I can just snap my fingers and make the caretaker appear. Although, he holds out his hand and snaps his fingers just to check. Okay, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> Cut, to a scene. Cut to a scene of Mary... Uh, in her quarters, snapping her fingers, wondering why things aren't working the way they normally do. <laughs> yeah. The um, yeah. So Pim also says, "Well, I mean, as far as I can offer my services, I have been told I am a persistent and also be somewhat annoying. I may be able to apply these skills to, yeah, to say, stimulate a conversation. Been known to do that from time to time. I've always wanted to try it with a caretaker. Don't let him fool you." Pem is really smart, though he doesn't always act like it. I like him. I, you'll be... You, you can be our liaison. I have to wear a uniform. If you want. I'd prefer not to. I'll let you wear whatever the hell you want. Um, I, I'm good with this. I'm good with this. I do like the poncho. Okay. Ponchos are cool. Alright, Rick here. Yes, uh, should, I'll get an engineering team ready, shall I? Not just an engineering team. I want you to get the worker bees we have, cut that ship apart, get it down where they want it, and try not to let it burn up in atmosphere. Uh, let's just start with the room for now. Like, I don't even know what's all on that ship. 
We might want to be careful cutting it apart. It's really old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, conceivably, there's good be some stuff best in there, but I'm pretty sure there's there's nothing of the sort. No, I'll mm. trust Pim on that one. Does seem a shame hey. to let it go, though. It's one of the only intact ships left in Trident. All right, you know, I mean, we won't cut it up then. Maybe we can salvage it in a yeah, way to get it operational. I mean, wow. we could just we can treat it like you know, you know, refurbishing it, just cleaning it out, and making it a little bit easier for future generations to get the thing running later. Yeah, that's a good idea. Waitley huh? raises a finger. Did you just say one of the few remaining ships? Yeah, at least of anything that size. The reason the Kinsey has survived so long is it's got meters and meters and meters of thick armor. You could tell by all the pockmarks in it. I guess it must have been some sort of really heavy-duty ship back when it was used. Most of what it shows up in Trident either lands or crashes on the surface. Stuff in orbit tends to get torn to pieces. So all that's left are some small space stations, some shuttles, and occasionally some other small ships that have managed to just manage to squeak by. So full um, Kessler syndrome going on. Yeah, yeah Pem looks to Irritan and then to uh, O'Connor and says, Sure. Um, I will take a uh, moment to pause and say, uh, Grawl, you are the xenoanthropologist. Is there anything you want to ask these uh, two peculiar aliens? Yeah, I do have this internal image of once Gorall has noted what's going on, he probably tripped over himself to get down there. <laughs> Grawl? Oh, sorry, I was saying the wrong one. Uh, Grawl uh, exits the uh, turbo lift and runs straight uh, towards the aliens. So, uh, where ha exactly have you uh, come from, and how many species are down on the planet? Cool, oh. you got feathers. Yeah, that's a little unusual. Yeah, great to meet you. Um, as far as, you know, species down there, um, ooh, rough count, over 15,000 humanoid. You know, that's just a ballpark estimate. You'd have to ask a witness. It's not like we've actually, you know, counted. Yeah, it's, yeah, well, hard. As for me, well, my people are the Yizzle, and we've been here for a long, long time. Pretty sure we came on that ship there, the YCV Kinsey, but there might have been other Yizzle ships that got sucked in as well. I don't really know much about where we used to come from. The histories say, though, that whatever the place was, it was really, really cold. We still do better in cold areas. So you gather around the poles, or... Uh, other species distributed via different environments, or do you all like live in one big society? Eh, everyone kind of mixes on Trident, but I think you might have one of those newcomer issues where you don't understand really how the environment works on Trident. Yeah, it, it, it it's uh, we, shall we say you know a big quilt of a planet. You know, a little thing here, a little thing there. You're not really dealing with warmth from the suns. Those are generally coming from, you know, spires and, you know, the star anomalies. But, yeah, those are, um, yeah, those are, you know, the big things. You'll see when you get down there. Alpha, lovely place. But are there, like, any, like, main things between all, everything else? I think I heard, uh, I accidentally tipped in, uh, uh, accidentally uh, may have uh, tapped into the ship's, uh, 
sensors to uh, spy what was going on. You mentioned something about barrels. Oh, oh. yeah. Those are bad yeah. news. Pim, you tell them. Right. So you kind of got this, you know, to have civilization work, but there's so many different kinds of people and so many different species from so many backgrounds, evolutionary lines going this way and that. You've got, you know, the little problem of, you know, at a glance, is this person likely to have a conversation with me or rip my throat out? Civics generally are in the first category. They're, you know, in people like you and me. You can converse. Arrows, on the other hand, be bipedal, but they will try to rip your throat out. Some of them are sapient, some of them aren't. But generally, what makes a feral is that when they see you, they'll just try to kill you. Yeah, you know, in the hunting way, not the straight, you know, murderous way. I think when you're dead, it doesn't matter. Well, your body's going to good purpose. It's cycle of life. That's pretty deep, Pim. Waitley's just glad there's no Klingons here. <laughs> oh, no, there are. No, no, I mean in the room hearing Oh, this. okay. He doesn't say this. He's just thinking this as they're talking about, you know, recycling uh, dead bodies. He's just like, I am so glad there's no Klingon here to hear this. So would these ferals include Hirogen? Mm, I don't, I don't know. know that species. What's a Hirogen? Bring the picture. Yep. Waitley taps a few things on the console and brings up uh, 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 basically an encyclopedia entry on the screen for Hirogen. I don't think I've seen that before. Tim? No. Could be... Geronophon? No, not really. No, I haven't seen that one before. Are there any of my kind, or maybe our cousins of off? I think I've seen people with scales before, but nobody that looks exactly like you. Your feathers are really pretty. Waitley brings up a thing on the uh, the Voth to give them an example. Nope, none of them. Kind of know. I trying to play ring toss with that back little, you know, horn thing. Waitley brings up a thing of the Ferengi. How about them? Do they look familiar? Uh, we can kind of be here all day, and I think the only answer is going to be he points at uh, Waitley, or, <laughs> hold on. He, he points at Bryce, not realizing he's an android. It's like, yeah, we got we got them. I mean, you, can't, you guys kind of look like him, so apologies if you're all kind of one big group, but yeah, we got some humans around. He's not human. Oh, my apologies. He's a synthetic. All right. oh, oh, cool. I think we got those two, but they look different. Um, Pim just tries to high-five Bryce. Bryce is incredibly confused, but eventually just raises a hand and gives him a high-five. Nods and sits back down. <laughs> we uh, also got some of those little guys, like the guy with the cookies, but they're really rare. Wait, hold up. You have tardigrades. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, some of them have been involved in history, too. Like this one who's real famous, the great warlord Basho. He conquered yeah. seven armies by himself. Also he, kept, you know, he, laid, he also laid siege to Smash Rock, you know, I think three times in a row? I mean, he just kind of kept going at it. I mean, he would conquer the place, let him rebuild after a weekend, and then try to go at it again. Yeah, Wait, the old joke is that it wasn't called Smashed Rock back then. It was just rock. Eli. Waitley's just looking at John, gauging his reaction to this. Yeah, Eli is also doing that. That's John is enthralled. He is just sitting. Yeah, his eyes are, are just 
for what you can interpret, they're basically glittering. He is just enraptured by this story. Uh, he trained with Klingons. He, he, yeah. Do you have Klingons? Ooh. Yeah, Waitley brings up uh, an infographic on the, the Klingons. Yeah, you don't forget a forehead like that. Those guys are down there. All right, what about people like me? I'm only half human, but, you know, the spots on the side of my neck, they go basically all the way down. But yeah, anyone like me? Look, I think, as Pim said, we could be here all day doing I this. I know, but this is just one last one. I have one uh, last one. I don't uh, think mine first. I don't think so. Oh, good damn. Captain said one last one. Let's not disobey direct orders. Like I said, if you guys want to see more stuff, we can take you down to Sariat Run. Just, just you know... Help me get in that room real quick. Look, I got bills to pay, okay? All right, yes, yeah, we'll get you into the room. We'll pack your shuttle full of whatever the hell you want. Food, whatever. Ooh, uh, Quarrel just brought up a really good idea. Okay, fine. That one, that one. That's fine. Quarrel um, whispers to Eli and then gives him the go-ahead. Him just shakes his head. Nope, nope. Yeah, never seen that one before. Oh, but look, it's got a tail like me. Well, not really like me, but kind of like me. A little bit. In reference, Squirrel is showing them a uh, picture of uh, Setsa from the front of a tabloid that uh, she was on. Oh, I was... Squirrel just says... Squirrel says... uh, No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Him also says, You know, but... If you're not gonna, you know... If you're thinking about trade goods and stuff like that, you know, I might be able to find some people interested in literature of that type. Literature, what? Uh, 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 you know, uh, you know, the thing of uh, entertainment literature, you can appreciate the wonders of nature. If you have any local uh, text, it's a deal. Uh, Erton just kind of go, goes a bit pink underneath his fur. Uh, so, um, basically at this point, the crew, just to have us do a little thing tonight before closing up, because we've got about 20 minutes left, um, the crew basically has the directive of, hey, let's go check out this door. So you need to form an away team. Yeah, uh, Rick, Rick's, uh, by the way, Rick had left once he got the order, uh, to, once he confirmed to get the, uh, the engineering team, and he's already assembled the team at the, uh, transporter pad, and has let everyone know. So who all is going along on this team? If we're going to need engineers, that see that Chorog and Rick, and anybody else? Uh, yeah. Daniel would probably make a good one, too, because he is used to older ship tech, and he has a spacesuit. True. Now, Waitley doesn't volunteer for the away team directly, but he does volunteer to be one of the people to help go through, uh, the computer records. Okie doke. Quarrel volunteers. <laughs> to go with Close. the away team? Yep. Okay. Last call for away team. Ah, uh, screw it, I'll go. I'm caught and kind of trapped in Erton's voice. <clears throat> We're talking salvage. I'm in. Bryce, you have the, the bridge. Bryce and John. When, when O'Connor uh, when O'Connor says he'll go, uh, Waitley looks at him and says, Sir, is it advisable for the commanding officer to leave the ship, especially considering our circumstances? Listen, if Jane Wake can leave the ship... In middle of all that, I can leave the ship for five minutes. It's not going to take long to cut a door. Duly noted, sir. The group assembles in the uh, transporter room, and Burton has popped his helmet back on, and he kind of steps on the pad and just says, Okay, I really hope this thing works. 
I'll be honest, I'd rather, like, walk, but I guess I can't. Uh, well, we could take a shuttle. I mean... Transporter would be quicker. We're using the transporter. So, the group energizes and comes over to the ship in a large, wide corridor that is square and seems to run for just meters and meters and meters. It eventually just peters off into the darkness before you can really tell what's going on. The group, on the other hand, shows up in front of a massive blast door, which is clearly reinforced and heavy. It looks to be about a meter thick. So, like, ever since the power plant failed a long time ago, there's doors like this all over the ship that can't be opened. But that means there's probably some goodies behind it that we could probably sell. Can't be open. I like a challenge. Well, have you nice. ever tried? Have you ever tried turning the power back on? Nah, pretty sure it's out of fuel. What does it take for fuel, if you know? Well, probably be easier to answer that if somebody hadn't already salvaged most of the reactor. That's fine. Hey, Rick here. I was going to say, we have a team of engineers with yes, us. Let's uh, let them do their job. <laughs> just hook up a power source directly to the door, I suppose. Well, we could we could check to see if there's any manual releases in, in there, but uh, if it's an emergency lockdown, um, there would likely have to be something, but not necessarily, so I could check that. Or, as you suggest, we could try and... Uh, would have to jerry-rig a connection since, uh, obviously, um, I'm not going to use uh, standard voltage and and wattage for uh, Federation tech. So, how are we going to try to open the door? When we okay. figure that out, I'll tell you the, the roll. Alright, uh, uh, so uh, we, uh, we'll try the manual way first. Alright, let me see if I can find an access hatch, see if I can hack my way into this. Okay, uh... Chorog, go ahead and give me a, a insight engineering. Rick, you can assist. Daniel is just going to scan the whole thing, and maybe the surrounding parts of the hallway where the door connects. Uh, seven. Uh, on the door. Okay. Uh, Daniel, go ahead and just give me a reason science. That has spared Sorry. some threat. Uh-oh. Sorry, Google Drive's being weird. In the meantime, I will say that Rick and Chorog... Do find some openings to get a little further through the wall. It looks like they probably would have an easier time cutting through the wall than the door. It looks like most everyone just assumed that people would go through the door, and thus the wall is actually a weaker point. Is it reason science? Yes, reason science. Uh, While this is going on, Grawl is looking around, seeing if there's like any text written on the wall, either graffiti or uh, like an old sign... There's, like, old signs above the door. It reads something in a language you're not sure you can get. The Universal Translator has managed to deal with uh, spoken language, but not written. Yeah, Daniel, this is not exactly complicated. It's just a magnetically locked door. If you could restore power, it would probably just pop right open. Cool. While they're, while they're working on the door, Waitley's looking around for any consoles or... Um... And he's touching everything, like just kind of brushing his hands on like panels and There's consoles. not a lot of dust. This place has been basically sealed. Well, basically, he's since he's figured out that his, his telepathy is limited to physical contact, he's just checking to see if there's any kind of residual psychic energy that he can pick up on. 
not after this long. The sensors have dated this ship at probably 30 or 40,000 years old. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. No. <laughs> well, uh, the, so, the knowing what we do... Be, uh, an alternate way through. Uh, they're not as thick as the door. Um, Daniel, what have you found? It's just a simple magnet lock. Just we should just powering the door should open it. Well, we gotta find. Well, we gotta find the mechanism first. If we can reverse its polarity, we should be able to pop the mag lock. Well, you're already in the wall. Wires are plenty. All right. Let's uh, try and uh, track them and track down the correct paths of this and power it and see what what happens on the other end. And go ahead and just give me uh, control engineering and we'll spend some more of our thread on this. Uh, this wouldn't be... This is wise, so it wouldn't be EPS. Yeah, it wouldn't be EPS. Oof. It really doesn't matter which one of you I pick. Right, so... You basically get into the walls... You can't decide which wire to hook up to the power source, so heck it. You're going to hook them all up. Rick takes out a small generator and basically just kind of wires in everything and starts up the generator. Lots of stuff happens at once. The lights come on, there are klaxons, there's a voice overhead announcing something. The Universal Translator is having trouble with it. The signal might have degraded from whatever it was supposed to be. And above everything else, the door pops open. And... Outward rushes a massive amount of atmosphere because the door behind it, or the area behind it, was pressurized. Waitley braces himself against a wall. (laughs) Trog is is still in the wall. (laughs) As soon as the gust of wind goes by, Erton just kind of pokes his head into the now lit up room and just says, Oh, hey, look, it's an armory. Check out all the rifles. Trog pops his head out of the wall. Did you say armory? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like this must have been an armory for the crew. Check it out. There's all those rifles along the walls. There's some pistols over there. I think those are ballistic shields lined up in the corner. Trog makes his way out of the wall and into the armory. And it's just... It's Trog's wonderland. He doesn't know where to begin. It's absolutely pristine. No dust, no anything. With the lights on, it looks like a candy store of weapons from an ancient civilization. This is beautiful. Daniel sits up from where he uh, where he was blasted flat on his back on the floor and just says, Shields, you say? And gets up and walks in. Stacked Wait. over in the corner, uh, just to go ahead and say what the ballistic shields are, they look about the rough height of Erton, maybe a bit taller. They're obviously massively heavy and have a port through them in which you could stick a gun. It looks like they're designed probably for the forerunners of an attack, to basically be carried in and have guns shot through them while they're protecting everyone behind it. Waitley's looking for a console, computer, any sort of interface device. There are several in the room lit up and flickering. He is going to get to work. All right, in the background, uh, Waitley, give me a, uh, let's say, control science. Meanwhile, Erton is just kind of lifting several boxes and kind of pushing them out of the way. Yeah, these'll be good. Weapons always sell for a lot. And hey, go ahead and grab one for yourselves or whatever. Souvenirs and whatnot, yeah? We could have given you a hundred weapons. Yeah, but they wouldn't be these. They'd probably be better. Could have given you a Kalashnikov. You could throw that thing in mud, stomp on it, run it over. It'll still fire. Chog is looking around. He spies a rather ancient-looking 
rifle weapon. Most of the weapons in here seem to be magnetic-based. It looks like they're slug drivers of massive power. Kind of thing that looks like it could almost knock Chorog on his ass firing it. Chorog finds one in particular that he just agog over. The thing is absolutely gorgeous looking, and it's in pristine condition. So yeah, go ahead and take one if you want it. Chorog pulls it off its rack and looks at it. This thing is... Yeah, you know what? It's a maglev. I haven't seen one of these in a... I haven't seen a functional one of these ages. Uh, The viewers can't see this, but the picture that Chorog put in there? Yeah, that's what all the rifles look like now, because that's way cooler than anything I had in mind. (laughs) By the way, Waitley got one success on his roll. Yeah, you managed to start pulling out fragments of information. There's nothing cohesive, but you'll be able to look through it later. It looks like, at first glance, though... This was a heavy cruiser, looks like on patrol at the edge of Yizzle territory, when it got sucked in. Right, he's downloading everything to his tricorder. Uh, Rick will, uh, will uh, try and join him now that he's, he's, he's just sort of set things up at the door and just sort of just making sure that everything's tight and going to stay, um, stay connected and suddenly not lose power to everything and then going to head in and start... Uh, to get some computer details as well. I'm going to retroactively add John to this scene just so we can sort of peter around a corner holding a giant hammer and say, I'm going to go smash a rock. John, no. Yeah, rock on, little dude. I wonder if that John hammer just... does things other than just hit people. John will, like, just strike the hammer against the ground. Okay, go ahead and roll me uh, control security for John. And all the rest of the threat goes to this. Oh, but it didn't matter. No, he got two successes. John smashes the hammer to the floor, and a shockwave runs out, knocking everybody over and sending a couple boxes flying. Erton lands on his back with a grunt, and then just kind of rolls and looks up and says, Cool. I want to do that again. Please do not. Don't worry, little guy. You can do that more once we're on the ground. Chorog finds in a corner a stash of uh, shoulder slings for the rifle he found and attaches it and slings it over his shoulder. I want to see how I get this thing working. He also finds a pistol he likes. Eli is also taking a pistol. I'm going to give actually Chorog some good news. These are all absolutely pristine. And especially based on what John's hammer just did, you shouldn't need to do anything to get this working. How how uh how big are is the hammer? It big. John small. Don't matter. Okay. You got part of the great strength. Chog gets you know is looking over the looking over the pistol and it looks like it's ready to fire. He pops out the magazine out of out of the out of the receiver. Oh, look at this thing's this thing's ready to fire. This has a, it looks like titanium bolts. Let's see what this thing does. Draw okay. Let's well, see. Like target on the wall. Yeah, maybe shoot at that target and not at the other wall, which might go to, you know, space. I mean, it's a thick hole, you said. Trog, take, Trog manages to load the slug into the chamber, primes the weapon, and oh, let's see what we got. Control security. While all this is going on, Bryce makes sure surreptitiously that for... History purposes and things, some of the various weapons and ballistic shields and whatnot are beamed out onto the Reliant for later study. Wait, when did Bryce get here? He didn't. 
Okay. But he can, you know, basically do this from the ship. That's good. But yeah, Eli's taking a pistol, and just hopefully well, no one's noticing. All right, Chorag, you lift up the pistol and fire. There is a massive amount of kickback from this pistol, and there's a massive twang at the end of the hallway. It's a good thing you shot at this target, because the target now has, it looks like, a foot-deep crater in it. If you'd done that anywhere else, it might have been really bad. Chorag, rubbing his shoulder, man, this thing got kick. I love this thing. Yeah, I think these weapons were all designed for my people. We're kind of, you know, stocky. So yeah, you guys have really done us a solid, so we'll take you down to Sariat Run. You can find a witness there, and we'll help you in whatever way we can. Sound good? Alright, but um, coming back to the ship first. Okay. You can land in the shuttle bay. That's and, good. And and don't forget, uh, I had asked for uh, permission to access your own personal ship's computers as well. Oh yeah, talk to Pim about that. It's his shuttle. I'm really just kind of along for the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can come up with me. And, uh, yeah, show you the shuttle. You can ride back, you know, see your ship from the outside. If you don't do that too much, yeah, it'll be a fun We time. see it all the time. Gotcha. Well, got some drinks in there. <laughs> right, so I guess we'll meet you back on the ship, and then we can tell you. Sariat Run is like the town where we've been working out of. It's a real nice place. There's a temple there, so there's always a witness you can talk to. Plus, everybody in town is real friendly. You should get a real handle on what Elf is like there. All right, Waitley, you ride back with them since you got to check their computer anyway. Duly noted, sir. He temple. follows Pim. Chog is turning around to leave the armory. He notices a uh, odd box laying on the ground. Oh, I don't know what this is. He pops open and finds some wrist-mounted weaponry. One one looks like a crossbow. The other one looks like uh, a wrist-mounted slug device. Hey, Daniel, check these out. I think these might fit on your suit. These weapons also look slightly different than the other ones in the area, and there are fewer of them. Spoils of war, perhaps? Here, try this crossbow. I think this might oh, fit your style a little more. You guys said yeah. something about temple. Uh, do you have, like, a religion down there? Now hold on, uh, uh, DB first. Daniel, I guess, uh, goes uh, goes over to the box and says, I don't know, these are all look kind of lethal. Well, I guess if it's actually a crossbow, couldn't you just put whatever you want in it and fling that? Like, you could use, like, I don't know, drugs or something. Yeah, ball. I shoot broccoli at him. Hear me out. Catch a punching bag. Eli's trying to talk. Attach a punching a punch uh, a boxing glove to the to one and just fire it. You know, someone's never read Green Arrow. It seems. <laughs> you, can also, you can also launch uh, bean bags. Those are those are non-lethal and they hurt when they on impact. We do have a number of uh, bean bag based weaponry that has been used in the past. And Ert oh, looks, looks over to Grawl and real quick just says, "Well, there's sort of a religion." You'd probably want to talk to the folks down there. I'm not real religious, but a lot of people kind of worship the speaker. So the speaker is considered a god to you as well as your like, capture or captor? Well, I don't know if I'd call them a captor, but they run the world tech, man. That's as close to god as you can get. Yeah, keep the lights on very much. 
Well, I've been away from my ship a bit long, so he taps his comm badge. O'Connor to Reliant, beam me back, along with everybody but Waitley. Yo, Waitley, man. Come on, I'll show you our computer. He grabs a big box full of stuff and just kind of waddles out of the hallway. Waitley eagerly follows. So, for our final scene tonight, because um, that's a good place to leave off there, I'm going to present Kara with something. Kara, the character. Last we left Kara, she was sitting on a very strange bed in a semi-spherical room, watching the slideshow of information about Trident presented to her because she didn't have much better to do. Kevin's eventually kind of noticed, like it's just been a bit of a background thing, but you eventually notice that Bonnie is feeling quite a bit different. If you look down, you'll actually see that series of force fields and small devices have been at work. Bonnie's quite a bit more, like, kind of a pure white. Kind of, like, at least in, you know, patches along your arm, like, threads along your skin. It looks like you've been given an extensive augmentation overhaul, and both of your arms look the same. She she just kind of looks down, you know, at part of her first and says, okay, okay, what? She looks down at her right hand, which now matches her left. She says, what the hell? I mean... She she stops for a second and thinks, I mean, should I be enjoying this? There's sort of just like a little background duration with just general stats and figures. It's incredibly dry. It's kind of almost, again, part of like the ambient of the environmental systems of just listing these figures. And that's the only response she receives at this time. She just kind of looks around and says, okay, okay, I think I'm ready to leave now. She goes over and just starts inspecting the wall. You hear a little bit of a tapping. Huh? Okay, what's that? She she leans in and puts her ear to the wall to listen for patterns. So, you, you hear a bit of a tapping. And it's just sort of increasing. 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 That's... Until it's like a thumping. And you can start hearing it through the room. Okay, that's not Morse code. She backs away from the wall. <laughs> the wall, eventually, just like this implement, just hammers through. And, like, it withdraws. Hammers again. And just a... Sh- fountain of sparks just clears away the debris, making a this cylindrical hole in the chamber. As this happens, the part of the wall that was displaying the view screen, that just completely goes dark. So there's this hexagonal pattern, basically, covering a large section of the wall, covering it in shadow. And what you see stepping out of that is, well, it's a large figure. This, this large, stocky thing kind of squeezing through and extending out. And, and Kara just kind of looks at it real quick and just says, Okay, I don't care who you are. Jailbreak time. Let's go. So. <laughs> She's already creature, running for the hole. So the creature picks up, picks up Kara and it's bipedal. It's large. It's muscular. It's got these large, like large plates covering its body. It's got a series of almost these like frills coming out from the, um, from the underlying um, clothing. You know, there's a bit of a jingle, a little bit of gold. weave. It's, she's getting a better look at that. And it looks like a pirate. Okay, wait, hold on a second. She just kind of squirms in the grass. <laughs> Is this not a jailbreak? Is this a kidnapping? There's a, there's a bit of alien language, and then eventually it's like, mm. Yeah. Ah, Would be very pleased with this. Yes, we didn't even have to fight any guardians in here. Very good, very good. And just starts, like, trotting through, dragging Kara behind it. And then on the other side of the, um... 
other side of the chamber, there's just like a just giant explosion that happens. Kara just yells out, whoever it is, quick, help me jailbreak. I'm getting kidnapped. So at that point, there's a like a lightning blue flash. Like you've experienced blue flashes before from a certain level creature, but this is a lightning blue flash. And there's just this, like, the scything sound, and a hit, like, a metallic sound. And the sound of maybe something burning. And the hand that is holding you has fallen to the floor. The pirate has recoiled and is stepping back, reaching for a weapon. And this giant tardigrade just lunges forward with a sword, taking out the pirate in one stroke, and simply fused the sword again. Holy shit. Uh, um, you're not kidnapping me, right? Um, well, we, you, you, you're here. Uh, we, we're going to take you. But the other one said it would be okay. Who's we? Graves calls out, You're not dead, are you? And I think that is the most epic point ever to just stop. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. We'll continue the adventure next time.